Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I did this one a little bit different today. You guys normally that watch this show, you know I start with like 30 seconds of silence. Everybody just looking at a thumbnail while I'm trying to catch my breath over here. But not today. Not today. Today is a very special episode of Fantasy NBA Today. It's Legends of Fantasy Basketball Day on the show. I am joined by Hall of Famer, FSWA Hall of Famer, Steve Alexander, Dr. A, the great Aaron Bruski as well. But Steve, Doc, I got to start the show with just a huge congratulations, man. That is absolutely awesome. Well-deserved. And, you know, I, obviously Brew has stories to tell. I'm on the, the other side of things, which is... I grew up reading your stuff. Like you guys work together, but I read your guys' stuff, and this is like the two of you are probably the two largest reasons that I ended up playing fantasy basketball and then winning at fantasy basketball, and now hosting a <laughs> freaking podcast. What kind of a life is this about fantasy basketball? So, uh, congratulations, and also thank you from those of us that uh, that grew up on you, man. A, an honor well deserved. Well, thank you. Um pretty cool it, the the announcement came out last thursday right when camla and i were in the middle of uh doing a podcast and uh if there's one fantasy basketball pioneer that i think should be in the hall of fame it's it's rick camla i mean he had a he had an nba basketball fantasy show that was live five nights a week on nba tv at one o'clock in the morning after the games are over 30 years ago, before Matthew Barry happened, before ESPN ever uttered the word fantasy, before anyone did. And, and uh, so I've always I always felt like he and I, if I was going to get in, I wanted to go in at the same time with him or felt like he should be in front of me. So, um, so the fact that the news came out, you know, I got an email from Andy Barron's, he's like, dude, you're in the Hall of Fame. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to like start talking about it. Be like, hey guys, I'm in the Hall of Fame, but I didn't want to like, I didn't want to like disrespect Camla or hurt his feelings or anything. So I was, I was, I didn't say a word about it. I just moved on <laughs> and uh, waited until it was over and then kind of just sent a tweet, or, you know, retweeted the tweet that they sent. But it's been cool because I've done a couple podcasts since then and, and, it's cool having people um, congratulate me, give me props, and uh, I mean, it's like I say, any any Hall of Fame you get put into, as long as it's not like for being a world famous poop your pants guy or something, is, is a that was a, that's it. That's perfect reference of the day. He's he's alluding <laughs> to my personal life over the last two and a half weeks over here. <laughs> Brew, I mean, so, like Brew for you, this is watching your mentor go into the Hall of Fame. That's got to be kind of a cool thing to watch happen. It, it, it was it was great um, because obviously Steve deserves it, um, you know, as much as anybody out there. And uh, to see him get his props is is exactly what I would want to see. Um, it's a really exclusive Hall of Fame, too. Um, you know, I don't know the names off the top of my head, but every time I see the names for that Hall of Fame, it's heavies in the industry who have moved the needle massive, you know, massively. And so, you know, to see Steve get this, it's it's well-deserved. And, and I think it's kind of overdue. Um, I mean, especially when you consider what Steve just said about Rick Kamla. Um, fantasy basketball is a huge sport. And, uh, 
you know, back in the day, that wasn't the case. You know, I remember when we would get those emails, Steve, that they're like, hey, guys, you guys are just crushing it in, in new ways. And that was always awesome because it used to be kind of a two horse race with football and baseball and then basketball just kind of surged and overtook baseball a little bit. Don't know how that's doing in, uh, you know, the, the competition between the sports, but it's been great to just see Steve get his props. And, um, you know, back in the day, uh, there was, I mean, it was a lot different, but um, there was this commitment to excellence that I picked up on immediately as I was told sort of early on, you know, hey, man, you got to really pick up the pace here or you might not make it. Um, those guys at Roto World were just flat out studs. And Steve was one of the core group that that created that. So uh, to see Steve get his props to me, not only was it great for Steve, but I thought it was great for just sort of this like throwback era of super studs that would be up all night blurbing like trying to find the blurb faster than anybody else and just trying to make sure that the writing was better than anybody else bro what was it bro what was it like coming in and being taught by the likes of dr a oh man um first of all it was humbling i uh (laughs) (laughs) i i I mean i did great in writing in school and you know like i thought i could write and then i got in there and i was like oh my god i can't write like i might not make it and uh you know, there was speed requirements. There was, you know, the, the the word count needed to be way less than I was always cranking out these long sentences. And uh, so um, it was very humbling. And then I realized quickly that, yeah, I did need to improve quite a bit. And then um, at that point, it was just um, really about hard work. And, and we would kind of like fight each other to see who could do which, which games to blurb and things like that. And uh, it was just great to be in that environment where, you know, everybody was super excited to do the work. And, and uh, we were, and we were young and we were, <laughs> we were like animals, dude. Like, I, like I, I look back at some of the stuff you did and some of the stuff I did and you more so than me. I mean, I think you probably blew out both your wrists uh, <laughs> just on daily doses alone. Uh-huh. Which we would write in the middle of the night, you know, and they had to be ready for the morning. It, it, it was in, it was an insane, insane endeavor. And you're right, man. The the weird thing about trying to write blurbs like we wrote them back then, and it's it's still true in a lot of places today. Is yeah, you know how to write, and yeah, you're kind of a good typist and and whatever but (laughs) when you combine this marathon you know writing 90 blurbs in one night as fast as you freaking can literally without making any mistakes and keeping them short and sweet but from you know conveying a message it's one of the hardest things there is to do yeah you know um on the on the reader side of of that end of things i would and roto i don't know if they still do this on the site but it would auto refresh every 90 seconds the feed on roto world so i just had a browser window open and it would refresh every 90 seconds and whatever you maniacs were doing over there there'd be like two or three more blurbs that would pop up so uh, for those that are that are not aware that are maybe watching or newer to the game the blurb is just the news bite where something happens in fantasy and then an analysis of what that means for folks that were playing. I found this before anybody else in my league did. These were the days when there could be like one guy in a fantasy league who knew that Roto World existed, and I just could clean the board. Nobody wanted to play with me. Nobody, everybody refused to trade with me. It was this whole thing. Uh, other, I had cousins that were bringing me in to help run their team, and they're like, how are you doing this? I'm like, I, I can't tell you. 
because that's the also the idiotic side of this is when one person finds a source that they trust, they don't want to tell anybody else about it because then they lose their advantage. But Steve, I wanted to turn this thing around. What was it like for you watching Brew come in as uh, a young a buck who probably thought he had everything figured out and then getting to crush him for a few months while he figured it out? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, don't enjoy crushing people. So, <laughs> but, but he, I mean, I remember, I remember even, even as Brew figured it out and, and got really good, he still could not help but write a 7,000 word <laughs> daily dose. And he fought with me and, and the others powers that be until the, until he went down with the ship, like, like he's collecting emails and data about how people like longer daily doses. And I, I fought that for a while too, because if you sit down to write what used to be a daily dose, they don't exist anymore, but it was a recap of the night in a column form. And the idea was something that someone can go in here, here, here we go with the theme of the day again, somebody can take this into the stall at work and, and read did. it in five, four or five minutes and get all the info they need to know and then move on with their life. You're dramatically undershooting wait, wait, how much wait, time. But didn't I, we get emails of people who said, yeah, I would take Bruce daily dose into the bathroom for a half hour. That's what I'm saying. You you guys are people, dramatically underestimating. <laughs> People would take full sick days. <laughs> I can tell you definitively, Brew, you were there in like 08, right? Were you yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I worked for a minor league baseball team in Visalia that year. And my colleagues knew that when I took my laptop and I left the front office, I was going to read a fancy article on the toilet. And it was probably this guy's damn thing. Because then I was gone for like 45 minutes. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure he's fine. There's only like one bathroom in a minor league baseball stadium. But uh, that, I, I, I think that's, Bruce, is that what eventually became the Brewski breakdown? Yeah, we had to, I guess, rebrand it because- It was too it was goddamn too long. long. And yeah, uh, yeah no, I'm not, we fought all the time with that. And uh, <laughs> I, I really struggled with this. Like I'd have people who were like, yeah, man, more. You know, hey, 10,000 is not enough. I need 15. And then, um, you know, there's actually, there's a market for both. There's the people there that want to get it. It's like, you know, and, and I just couldn't do it the other way. They tried and I tried. I remember um, one time I think I tried and I, uh, I might have mailed that one in. But like, <laughs> but going, going back to your original question, like Brucey came in and he was, he, was, he was young, he was eager, he really wanted to work with us. And you could tell it right away. You could tell he was good. You could tell he knew his stuff. Um, and he, he was a good writer and he was a good blurb writer. Um, but like anybody you're training how to do that, it, it's just, it takes a little bit of time to figure it out and to, to hone it down. And, you know, the first blurb I ever wrote uh, for Road World, probably like, right, like the year 2000 on a Tuesday night, it was a Dirk Nowitzki blurb. And Dirk, you know, I hadn't spoken to anyone on the phone or anyone in person at Roto World. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, I, I started, I was employed like number nine at Roto World. Um, it was a very tiny independent website in the year 2000 that I started working for. Uh, it grew over time. It got bought by NBC. I was there for 20 years. Now I'm with Roto Wire, which was actually around before Roto World, and ESPN and a few other things. Um, so, 
we're talking about something that happened a long time ago, but back to my point, Matthew Pouliot emailed me and he, I, we were emailing and I said, I want to work. I want to write blurbs for Rudder World. He's like, okay. And after a few weeks of this, he's like, okay, Tuesday night, you can write, write up the Dallas game. I was like, okay, what do I do? He's like, here's a link. Here's a password. Good luck. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And, uh, that was it. That was my training. And so I, Dirk Nowitzki had like 25 points, eight rebounds, six assists, a couple threes, nothing fancy. So I get in and I write this Dirk Nowitzki blurb saying just that. And uh, he's like, he, he emails me back the next day. He's going through all my blurbs. He emails me back. He's like, why'd you write up Dirk Nowitzki? What made you decide? What made you think that was a good idea? And like, <laughs> Well, he's Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, people want to read about him. He's on my fancy team. I want to read. I want to read about him. He's like, what? Is anyone going to get out of that blurb that wasn't in the box score? And I was like, nothing. He's like, what stands out about that game from Nowitzki? I go, nothing. He did exactly what he does every single night. He goes, don't blurb those guys. <laughs> and so uh, you know, I mean, it's just, and I'm sure I said the same thing to to Brewski after his first oh. day, like. Why did you blurb Josh Smith? Well, you, you know what's crazy? So, like, my first, I think my first blurb was a Kevin Love blurb, and then I chose to put comedy into it and said that he had love handles. And that was, <laughs> like, kind of met with, like, a groan, like, eh, yeah, you know, eh, I don't know about that one. Uh, okay, but then the next one was, like, a C.J. Watson at Golden State in their heyday of being the first pace team out there and I, I i think i made cj watson third string instead of second string in my blurb and doc got like 50 emails or something like what you know what what what's going on here and that's when i was like oh my god the power of this place like you make one little mistake in a blurb and 50 emails get generated you know everybody's concerned about the backup point guard at golden state you know for their 12th slot in the roster that was that was wild to me it was like man you know i really need to be on my game and then in my first couple months anytime i felt like i felt if i made a mistake that rick camla was going to weigh in somehow and uh <laughs> you know that i was going to get some feedback from rick camla somehow um and then the people you know we mentioned like the first nine employees or whatever at roto world back then those guys were super engaged so if um and they were never you know um bleeps you know assholes about or whatever you know like everybody was super cool about everything that i'll describe here but like if something wasn't right within about two minutes you would hear about it from whoever whether it was steve or even just like greg rosenthal or um you know whoever up the chain was sort of on watching the the whole website you would hear about it and this it was just this commitment to quality that it made such a difference in my career <clears throat> like when when i started doing journalistic stuff the fact that i could piece together writing so quickly and write like articles full of mini blurbs um when i got to journalism and, and stuff like that like writing became the easy part it was because all those dudes um but yeah no blurbs early on uh, i didn't think i was going to make it i really didn't <laughs> steve Thanks for keeping me around <laughs> steve I, this is sort of a weird question because I, I i i i don't know that it's a fair question necessarily to ask, but do you look at your career and 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 feel certain things knowing that you really did help kind of create 
the fantasy basketball universe that we all live in now? I mean, is this something that you're tr- like aware of? Because we can all say it to you, but for you, I feel like you're probably just like, yeah, this is my life. Yeah, there, there's certain uh, there's certain things that happen in your life where you feel like at the time, man, I got in, I got in too late. I didn't get in on the ground floor. I'm like, I missed the first pavement record for me is a big one. Like, I didn't get in pay, into pavement until like right at the end of the slanted enchanted run, and I feel like I was super late. But in the and same with the Pixies, like I missed the first Pixies record. But then I found them on the second Pixies record. Well, looking back on that now, even though I was late, I was still one of the first people <laughs> there. And I, and I felt like when I found Roto World, which I wanted to go back to that real quick because nobody, like when you found Roto World, you did not want to tell anybody else no. about it because no one knew about it. It was like this underground little tiny website that was doing something nobody else was doing and just cranking out all this info and you just had non-stop access to information that that you didn't really know how to go find because the internet was so new um so my buddy john dishinger actually who i played with in the my first basketball fantasy league which is probably in 1992 uh it's like dude you got to check out this site called Roto World. And I was like, why? He's like, you just got to, you just got to check it out. And I checked it out and it was like, oh, you know, it's like, <laughs> this is insane. I'm, I, and, and so I just started going there and like, maybe the site refreshed on its own every 90 seconds, but a lot of us would just sit there and hit refresh, and, you know, new blurb to pop up. All the time. And I don't even know how Matthew Cooley was doing that but uh, by himself. But, um, so, yeah, I didn't want to tell anybody about it. So the fact that John Dishinger even told me about it so I knew it was there uh, blew me away. And then, you know, Matthew Berry was on the site at that time. And he was the talented Mr. Roto. And he was he was writing stuff. And he was obviously a good writer. And he was doing a, a column every week. And I was like, man, I want to be I want to be like that guy. So I, I need a I need a cool nickname. So me and my buddy came up with Doctor A instead of Doctor J, which I don't know how cool that is, but it certainly <laughs> stuck. And everybody in my town I live in right now, nobody calls me Steve. Everybody calls me Doc. Yeah. Um, and and uh, it just built from there. And uh, but yeah, once I found once I found that website, I did not tell anyone about it. I was like, no. This is mine. These are my guys. But even my like guys, <laughs> my guys are telling me to draft Eddie Curry. You know, um, oh or man, whatever. But it, it was just, <laughs> it was just a cool time. And uh, you know, I don't know that I'm, I'm that great of a writer. I don't know that I'm that great of a fantasy analyst. I mean, I think I, I, I was pretty good uh, back in the day, and I'm still, I'm still. I'm still good enough, but it helps being first, you know, it helps being the guy in on the ground floor because I was able to take basketball at a time like Brewski was talking about. Well, you guys, there's football and then there's baseball and they're kind of, they're the big two, you know, you're just a basketball guy and, yeah. and basketball always got disrespected back then. And 
to some extent it still does today you know most 50 year old white guys are like couldn't pay me to watch that garbage they don't play defense get give me larry bird and michael jordan or give me death yeah and that's sort of the attitude out there today still but it's such an international international game um and it and it was cool that i kind of took that personally like oh it's just basketball huh well uh, my nice. blurbs are going to be better than the baseball blurbs. <laughs> my ber- nice job my taking blurbs. the uh, the Michael Jordan meme there and and applying it to, to, to fantasy basketball. My you took that personally. Are, I'm gonna I'm gonna tailor this thing to the average fantasy basketball players out there, and I'm gonna write blurbs that tell him what happened, who to pick up, what the impacts are. Like every pertinent tip I can get, because there's nothing worse than reading a fantasy blurb and having it not tell you what to do by the end of it. So. Yeah, the actionable side was that the uh, so I I didn't really I got into fantasy basketball I think in like 2000 or 2001, um, and so I don't really I didn't really know a time where I was like on a website that was giving me information that didn't have something actionable. My my introduction to fantasy basketball info on the internet was you and your team and that and the having that actionable element was that you feel the thing that took fantasy basketball online it to where it is now to like everybody's got their source it feels like i'm sure there's still novices out there they're not but they're probably not watching a fantasy basketball podcast in mid-january but they're out there someplace but it feels like everybody has a source now and back then not everybody had a source yeah, and I, the basketball blurbs weren't that different from the baseball blurbs or the football blurbs that I was reading. But at times they were. And I was like, I want to make them perfect every single time. And I think that's that what Bruce, he was talking about, the drive that we had to just crank out these perfect blurbs um, was overwhelming. And uh, um, to, to answer your, your actual question there... Um, Roto World was sort of my first experience reading blurbs on the in- internet too. So I mean, that was what I knew as well because we got in about the same time. Hmm. There you go. Um, yeah, it, it was. I mean, kind of the same experience when I found Roto World. I, I remember kind of just like driving on a long drive, um, some random trip, and and realizing that in my hand, in the phone, or, or not even the phone. I think it was on a laptop at the time. It was just this instant information that you could almost guarantee to get the pickup on a first come first serve basis league or something like that. It, it, it was it was just wild um, and drafting players, you know, that would be kind of first, second, third round values in the twelfth round or something because they were the only ones who knew about them. It was just great. Um, and then uh, on this on this blurb stuff, I, I I think there's so much to the the blurbs being what they were and and. I don't know, you know, you mentioned there's a lot of different sources for this stuff out there. That competitive drive that that core group had, and then we're talking guys like Greg Rosenthal, um, Adam Levitan, who, who does establish the run, um, Evan Silva, my God, that guy was a beast. Um, everybody just wanted to be the best in a way that I just, I don't know that I've seen it since those days. I, I know we try to emulate it here, um, but it's such a different world right now with Twitter kind of being what it is, um, you know, there's just a lot of noise out there. 
and, and competing with the noise, um, I'm always kind of asking myself, are the blurbs the central unit of information anymore? Or is it literally just what you're seeing on Twitter these days? Um, are people just going to Twitter to get that information? Um, but but I, I prefer the old days. I, I really think that the blurbs, you know, when, when you get a well-written blurb that's happening in, in game time and real time, you know, and that thing hits hard and it gets all the angles right, like, I don't see that online on Twitter. Um, well, and at the beginning of Twitter, you know, my line was always like, I, I think I even had it as my bio on Twitter. You know, I follow 500 people on Twitter and manage getting through all that crap. So you don't have to and <laughs> yeah. you can come find it all in one feed, you know, where I'm writing it uh, because it was, I mean, that was, that became the hardest chore of, of Blurbland was keeping up with Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it was hard enough to keep up with the RSS feed, which for those of you who don't know, is like a, a program that would bring in all of the newspaper articles into one spot. What's, a, new, I, I kinda, what's a newspaper, Brew? <laughs> dude, I, it's this thing that used to exist. Um, that, but like that was, that I imagine was, was harder than um, going to all the different newspaper websites. Because that's what was happening right when I got there. And then I think it switched to RSS feed. And then when it switched to Twitter, I mean, I think it was easier back then to follow the 500 people. At least you knew that the 500 people would pop up in your feed. Um, now there's just all this complication on Twitter to try to figure out what's what. And there's maybe instead of 500 voices, there's 5,000 voices to follow. And, and it's a total mess to try to keep up with. Um, I, I still respect the blurb feed as like the most basic, you know, important unit of information out there. Um, but it's it's just the, the industry is shifting so much. I don't know um, if everything takes place online now or if that's still an opportunity for blurb feeds to stand out. Stuff bangs, bangs around a, my brain. That's also a funny thing about X slash Twitter is... Yeah, he's Elon's going to be very happy you called it X on today's show, by the way. I'll send they, him a little clip. Well, Elon, I, I need a full-time job, bro. You know. uh, but it, it's funny because um, I feel like the tweet was modeled after the blurb because the blurb is supposed to be that long and just here's what happened, here's what you do about it. And the tweet is sort of like mirrored after a blurb, but the blurb, the blurbs, the fancy sports blurbs were first. I don't know. Well, you can't you can't really in a tweet be like this player got you know x points on this shooting and you know kind of lay out the stat line and to me that's really important stuff that's just being overlooked by guys like i do want to know if a guy's shooting five for 13 every night you know against whatever competition and you you see what the only way you can get seen now is to do these dan Bespris style you know trademark threads yeah. that are you know, these kind of monstrosities of tweets threaded together. And, but you, in a, in a 25, you're doing 25 tweets now to cover a night. And, and Dan, before you get to the next topic, while we're talking about Twitter, um, I mentioned to you guys before this, before we came on the air that, you know, my favorite thing about impressing my children's friends <laughs> was when NBC like auto automatically verified me on Twitter. So one day, Brew, were you verified? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, same, same phenomenon. Like, what, so what, I, you, what I went through. 
I wake up one day and I'm verified on Twitter. I got a blue check mark, right? <laughs> Back when you couldn't buy that, you couldn't ask for it. It just happened. And so, you know, we'd be out to dinner and my, my kid, teenage kids, their, their friends will be there. And somebody, maybe me, maybe <laughs> not, I don't know. Be like, did you know I'm verified on Twitter? And they're like, no, you're not. No way. Let me look. And they get their phone out and then they're, I'm following you, dude. This is incredible. You're the only verified person I've ever met. This is amazing. Like, <laughs> this is a college town. And like the college kids that find out I'm verified on Twitter. Like, who's that old guy at Johnny B's? He's verified on Twitter. Like, it was such a big thing. And when, when Elon took that away, took away my blue check mark and gave it to everybody who wanted it, uh, that was in a in a funny dumb sort of way kind of kind of sad moment for me because i was like that was my that was my big claim to fame but now i'm like oh i'm in the hall of fame bitch that's right <laughs> that's right in your that's eye elon <laughs> and uh please sell the company elon oh no i wasn't right. talking to elon i was talking to my my children's friends <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah well they deserve that that's who i was talking <laughs> Well, you know, and, and but even like to kind of go on that 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 note, like I'm, my wife got a new job once, and so she found out within like three weeks that one of her coworkers was this big fantasy basketball guy, and so she kept her last name, and it's completely the Bruski and and her last name are completely different sides of the universe. So she had this guy had no idea what he was working with. And so she just kind of needling him and is like, oh, you like fantasy basketball? Oh, you think you're pretty good? Okay, okay. Well, who do you read? And he's like, I read Aaron Bruski at Roto World. And then she just kind of like waits. And then she finally drives. Yeah, that's my husband. And it was just pretty wild because <laughs> like she doesn't care about any of this stuff, you know. And the universe is both so big and so small that a random coworker of hers literally reads this stuff. And Roto World was so popular back in the day and yeah you're getting a blue check mark and then i had the same thing it was the you know at the time you know friends and relatives they would be like yeah he's got a blue check mark and that's it was it was just a weird little you know d-level celebrity you know piece of fame thing that came with the whole experience that um you know it's it's really not normal you know and i know a lot of articles <laughs> have been written about you steve you know that it's just a like a forrest gump type of life you know especially when you consider in your shoes, Steve, how many just people in the sports universe you've met in general, but like the, 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 like the bands, you know, the, the music connections that you've been able to make and the connections in general that you've been able to make. Um, and, and same over here. Sometimes it's just really, really, the, the world gets really super shrunk and small. And next thing you know, you're talking to like a celebrity about their like, you know, 13th player on their roster you know, via email and your pen pals now, you know, and it's an experience that, you know, when you think about it, it's like, I don't know what drove you to do it, Steve, but like one day I was reading your stuff and I just sent an email in and then whoop, life just went and took a hard right. And everything I thought I was doing was not going to be what I was going to be doing anymore. And uh, here we are. Yeah. I mean, I had a regular job. I was in a cube. I was managing people and I was like, please let me write for you for free at three o'clock in the morning every day for the rest of my life. I don't care if you ever pay me. I, I, you don't have to pay me for like two years. I'll just do it. And I, I mean, I literally worked for free for over a, 
over a year easily. And then, you know, I wasn't even on the road to world books. Like, I don't even know how I was employed nine or 10 or whatever it was, because after my first season, uh, they, they, an email went out and I wasn't even included on it for the plan for <laughs> basketball the next year. And I was like, I heard about it. I was like, Dude, are you kidding me? I wrote the draft guide last year. Like, what are we doing here? He's like, Oh, I, I didn't realize you were part of the team. I'm like, are you serious right now? Like what the hell is that, this? that's how much they cared about basketball. Dude. I barely even made it back after my first year, even though I was the only guy Julio and I were the only two guys writing about basketball. <laughs> Brew, I feel like you told me a story that you were told you were being added to the the payroll and then you didn't see anything for two years, but you didn't say anything because you were so worried about getting fired. I, I didn't want to mess anything up. I was like, you know what? Screw it. And and that's, you know, I, I, you know, it's like everybody I've seen in this industry. A lot of so many people work for free to kind of get where they they went. It didn't seem weird to me. It, it felt like, you know, look, it's there's a very small amount of these gigs around. And, you know, if they were growing on trees and if it, you know, if everybody could be a sports writer, you know, maybe it would be a little bit different, but I just didn't say anything. I, it was like the glitch in the payroll system. I just didn't want to, it to work itself out. I just wanted to, to stay out. And, and it's funny because at the end of the first year too, it was kind of a similar experience. It was like, Steve's like, so you want to do it again? And I'm like, hell yeah, I want to do it again. I'm glad I checked with you. Of course I want to do it again. And, uh, you know, away we went for the, for the next year, but yeah, they didn't, they didn't, I mean, it is a classic growth story and it felt like they didn't know who was where. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, things would be going on. I mean, I was writing King's relocation articles on Roto world for like three months, six months before they even noticed. And they're like, Hey, could you uh, do that on our other web property? You know, pro basketball talk. It's probably a more appropriate place. I was like, yeah, yeah, you, you guys do make a good point. I should probably do that. And uh, so it was just a really loosely run organization with lots of um, lots of cool small company stuff going on. Of course, being bought by NBC, that all changed. And they were super corporate eventually. But uh, it was it was good early on. I probably uh, I probably should have mentioned at some point in the last half hour, we are talking to the legends. This is a legends show of fantasy basketball. Dr. A, Aaron Bruski. We're, we, we've gone back. We've taken the, uh, you know, Mr. Peabody time machine here thing going on. Quiet you. Um, I do want to know a little bit about the evolution of the game. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Dr. A's got something. The Indiana Pacers are finalizing a trade to acquire all-star for oh. Pascal Siakam Ooh. in a deal that will send Bruce Brown, Jordan Nawara, and three first-round picks to Toronto. Wow. New or now I'm seeing the the Woj says New Orleans will be a third team in deal sending Kira Lewis to the Raptors. Okay, well we got something to bring. I promised people that we weren't going to talk about fantasy basketball, and I think we probably have to now. Um, okay, uh, Do we know the picks involved with that, like three who firsts the picks belong to. It just says three firsts so far. Um, because that's Bruce quite Bond. a bit. For the Bruce right Brown. to pay Mr. Siakam a mm. boatload of money. That is a lot. That's a lot of picks. Um, okay, well, uh, initial... <laughs> I guess it's good that we're on air so we can talk about it. It is a lot of picks, but Pascal Siakam is... He's a, he's a baller, dude. Like, 
The, the Pacers are going for it right now. What do you think the difference between him now versus like the bubble when he was just kind of getting teams were loading up on? They knew he was going to do the spin move. He did the spin move every time. What do you think now? Because I I see differences, but I'm curious what you think. Well, I think getting OG Ananobi away from him was probably a good thing. Yeah. And now I think getting him out of Toronto and giving him a new start in Indiana is a good thing. I think he's going to absolutely love the Sacramento gift that keeps on giving notice Tyrese. Uh, <laughs> Careful, brew. Careful, brew. Who does not want to play with Tyrese Halliburton? Uh, you, let me ask you this, Steve. Who can't play with Tyrese Halliburton? Like, if you can't play with Tyrese Halliburton, like what? Do you just not like basketball or something? Your name like, is your name is probably Jordan Poole. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jordan Poole is the single most hilarious player in the NBA right now. Dude, bringing Siakam to Indiana, man, they are straight up legit now. Like, it, it is oh, on. Well, they were pretty good without him. I, and it's kind of curious they got, uh, you know, so many power forward options now. Uh, did, did Jackson get freed by chance? No, no, there's no other names in this. This might, this might, be, there might be another deal coming. Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown, Jordan Nawara, and then from a third team, Kira Lewis, the players going back to Toronto, which... Richard could get rid of Jordan Nawara, his favorite player. They are loaded up at power forward, though. I mean, they, and small forward. They've got tons of all of them. Like, Jarris, they, they, they trade him. They trade Jackson, they, Jalen Smith. There, there's lots of guys. And Buddy Hield still a pacer. Buddy Heald is still a pacer. That is, that is mind-boggling. Bruce Brown, you know, I haven't in my deep leagues haven't been able to cut him. You know, I think I cut him once on a super stack team, but he's been dealing with injuries and he's just sort of in roto like an auto, you know, top seventy-five, one hundred guy when he's going. And I think in Toronto, that's probably a good landing spot for him. Do you think he? Do you guys think Bruce Brown picks up most of what Pascal leaves behind? Not. Usage-wise, but minutes-wise. And Jakob Pertl's out, too. It's, you know, that team is so Scotty Barnes-centric now that it's, I mean, this does ease the, ease the, uh, the usage equation. Um, you know, Manuel quickly has been cut loose. Yeah, now doubly, so, now doubly so. Yeah, I don't think he can handle any more. <laughs> Everybody can. But you know what's really funny? By the way, this is the perfect time for this. I've got I've got Dr. A and I've got Brew on the show. And we're talking about how blurbs in 2002, like the revolution of it was having them tell you what to do. And so thank you to Carter in the chat room who says, who we had? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that nicely? That brings it full circle, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, Bruce Brown, I, I think you got to, right? Like, He's getting paid enough money to matter in that context. As long as he's not hurt, you know what you're getting. And usually what you're getting is top 75 in a roto league. Now, sometimes that doesn't play depending on the format. Um, <laughs> this one has to be don't have, This one has to be for Dr. A. Bigs now. Yeah, not one. Like, Toronto doesn't have any bigs. An like, injured Yaka Pertle. This is well. <laughs> I don't know if you guys, can you guys see the note on the screen that I put up there? Yeah, I know. I see that note. <laughs> I, I feel like um, 
Uh, the note, by the way, says for, coach Nick Nurse for people like, that are listening it. after the fact. I should read it out loud. It's a it's a user asking, "Is it Boucher season for the 3500th time in Toronto?" We all ask this ourselves is probably this question. Very similar to what the Toronto Raptors war room looks like right now. Well, yeah, we right. got Quickly and Barrett and Scotty Barnes, and then a bunch of stuff. Like I don't <laughs> even know. Like, like, can can Scotty play the four? Uh, let's put him there. They got and Gary then, Trent uh, floating around out there too, dude. I I made the mistake of saying it might be Boucher season. Yeah, I was uh, with you. Twitter yeah. when Jakob Pertl went down the other day. Oh, and you did that recently? Yeah, yeah, that didn't work out. Very well, um, <laughs> well he, he got. I feel like twelve minutes broke his spirit. Like he's he's not Chris Boucher anymore. He's like some other guy that doesn't shoot the ball every time he gets it in his hands, um, yeah. which is probably a good thing for his basketball play, but for fantasy. You know, you're not you know, that one year where he was really truly cut loose. Um, you know, that was fun. Many moons ago. He's kind of old now. He's like 30. Yeah, yeah isn't that he's crazy? A, he's an old rookie. We've been asking the same question about Chris Boucher for a decade now. <laughs> That's how long. All right, here's another question: Is it Jonte Porter's season? Well, I mean, until Pirtle gets back, I guess it kind of could be. Doctor A, what do you think? Is it Jonte season? Well, I mean, it's Jante Boucher or Thaddeus Young. <laughs> Jalen McDaniels. You know, the answer is usually Thaditude here. Got to have that Thaditude. I think I'll take Jante Porter's season. I like that. I like that. It's not a terrible idea. I mean, Bruce Brown probably picks up a lot of the Pascal minutes, but at the same time, like, they got to have somebody who's not. Can Scotty Bar- Scotty Barnes would be the five if they ran exclusively small. I don't. I don't think they want to do that to him. Unless I'm misreading I the situation. I don't think either team is done trading yet. I think both of them are going to make another deal. Yeah. Gary Trent, you've got to think, is on the block because I think they said it like four months ago. So that's why you would think that. Um, I mean. Buddy would, healed all the pace. Buddy healed. Yeah. Anybody they can get rid of, really. I don't it's, think they're looking at um, uh, Pirtle's deal and, and thinking, oh, that's great. You know, we're we're we're, we're good there. I think everybody's on the block. Brew, what about the Indiana side? I'll just come right back to you on this one. Doesn't this basically just blow up anything that was going on with guys like Neesmith or Toppin or Jackson or whatever, at least as long as they're still in Indy? Yeah, my, my top-level thought here is what does this do to Tyrese Halliburton when he gets back? Like, he is by far the guy you want the ball in his hands. Like, it's, it's not even close. I, I wouldn't want Siakam to have the ball you know, really much on initial action. So, I mean, and, and to kind of touch base on a little bit, what we were talking about before, I do think Siakam's improved quite a bit over the last two to three years. Um, him playing with a Tyrese Halliburton is a great thing for him because it can really get him in the ball in a lot of just easy positions and this inefficiency question that has he's improved on, but it's dogged him since those playoff losses. And, and really, to kind of characterize the, 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 the Toronto, why are we trading people? Why, are, why do we not think this core can work? Well, it's because Siakam and Anunoby both wanted the ball, you know, and Scotty Barnes wanted the ball. And, you know, back in the day, Fred Van Vliet wanted the ball. And you got Gary Trent wanted the ball. But none of them could really figure out who the number one was. He can come in and get a lot of nice, easy, efficient play playing next to, to Halliburton. But does that happen? Do they say, all right, you guys are more equals and you see Halliburton go from really nuclear, you know, this is one of the better versions we're going to see of Halliburton through the years. 
um, to something a little bit less than that. That that's a, that'll be a bummer if that happens. Um, but that's my first thought. And then after that, I do think that it's, it's good that you got guys like Buddy Heal. He's kind of like a cockroach that'll just never ever, you know, get destroyed. If he gets 20 minutes, he's going to hit three threes and you know have some rebounds and assists and somehow pull together a fantasy line. Um, but the other guys downstream, yeah, they're they're really going to struggle. I'm kind of curious about Miles Turner as well. You know, if he can tap into any of that upside that really you know folks have been chasing for the last five years um, with this kind of a move, because Syakim's clearly at minimum the number two, you know, on that squad, and then you got guys like Matherin just hanging out. Um, downstream they're going to struggle but they got to make another trade i think at least to get rid of healed curious what their plans are for matherin if he's a core guy um they're an interesting team i I think the pacers could you know get out of the first round in the east and and surprise a few people doc what are you thinking on this as as we sort of settle down now and and try to figure out what the heck this all means well i'm anxious to see what your question was going to be when i interrupted you Um, (laughs) i've actually forgotten what it was doesn't matter anymore uh, but i mean bye bye jalen smith bye bye obi toppin mm-hmm. um bye bye jaris walker um the core of Halliburton, siakam and turner it's pretty awesome uh bruce brown out of the way frees up buddy healed um to to maybe move back in the starting lineup uh it's gonna be him or matherin i think i like i like matherin a lot I'd like to see them continue to develop him, but develop developing young guys uh, is not going to be Indy's priority. And they've got Rick Carlisle, who is suddenly now fun Rick Carlisle instead of grumpy <laughs> Rick Carlisle, right? Because yep. the Pacers have been running and scoring and running up, uh, scoring as many points as they can all year. And he's playing the same guys the same minutes every night. Like, I've really enjoyed the Rick Carlisle experience experience this year much more than in the past. And, uh, you know, I, they asked us for bold predictions. I don't know which, which website it was that I worked for. I think it was ESPN. (laughs) My bold prediction was uh, Pacers are going to win the East. Mm. It's not that insane. They were, they were my biggest over season win total bet this year, which I lost. And when my computer exploded in mid August, but I like, you knew they were going for it this season, right? Before this trade, the Celtics are better. I mean, the Celtics are better. The the Bucks and Sixers, yada, yada, yada. But I mean, the Pacers, the Pacers are not, not that far off. And they're fun as hell. The interesting part and why Rick's probably so happy over there is because Halliburton went from, you know, I watched him super close in Sacramento. He did everything the right way. And you could throw like a Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum or whoever kind of super athletic rangy defender on him. It would really shut him down. Like he didn't have the strength and he didn't have the quicks to get around those kinds of guys. And this year it's kind of like he does. He, He has the length to kind of get around with a scoop shot if he wants to go all the way to the cup. And uh, then he has his sidestep three, which is really his, his kind of secret weapon. And he can fire that off at a high, high efficiency. So he has really left to right, north, south. He has all the directions covered now with the same IQ that's just expanding as he goes. So the idea that those guys could put it together and you add a Pascal Siakam to the mix. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't, I wouldn't 
put them up against those guys and say they're going to win. But yeah, that's a good bold prediction. I didn't know you made that one. That, that takes some some cojones after what well, they said, I mean, like it, 34 wins or whatever the year before. They asked for, they asked for bold. They bold. <laughs> that makes me think of that old Doritos campaign where it asks, do you remember, do you guys remember that commercial where it asked if you were bold and daring? I think this was like an early 2000s thing. Uh, let me, okay, follow up for both of you guys. Uh, Doc, I'll start with you on this one. You said you don't think they're done. I think we probably all agree on that because Toronto is is mid teardown at this point. Um, Pacers still have all these young guys that you already mentioned, guys like Matherin, uh, Jarris Walker. They still have contracts they can move. Is there any way for us to game plan on the fantasy side uh, for someone else that might get moved? Like, is there someone that's close in the pecking order in Toronto uh, more so than Indiana, because Indy's gonna this they're gonna be a sort of thin the herd trade pieces to get bigger names kind of team. Toronto feels like the one where look if more guys keep getting moved out of the way, at some point someone besides uh, Emmanuel quickly, R.J. Barrett and Scotty Barnes will probably have to do something. Is there any way for us to know who that could be? I mean, I, I think Jalen McDaniel's and Jonathan yeah. Porter are the two guys that stick out to me that like, Hey, we need you guys to step up right now and start, start playing. What's right. interesting about that is I think this Toronto team is going to start winning. Like they've been waiting for these trades all year. And I thought it would be actually a lot worse than it was because it's just stale, you know, like the, the stars are on their way out and, you know, everybody's just waiting for that stench, you know, of, of the inevitability to sort of leave the room insert IQ who has really, I mean, the Knicks just screwed that up every which way they could. Tom Thibodeau screws it up almost all the time. He and RJ Barrett are getting cut loose. They're going to play free and happy. And you got Scotty Barnes, who's had a great year, and he can kind of get some shine now. And a lot of the questions of who's getting the ball there kind of now land right on his lap. Um, so the roles are all nice and fit. And the coach, man, he really won me over with that speech the other day. Oh my um, gosh, that's one of, well, one of my I, favorite things I've ever seen. I almost, I was like, I need to play this every morning when I wake up. <laughs> Why do we play the games? <laughs> so, so awesome. It, it was amazing. Um, and then Mike Brown follows it up with the laptop at the uh, the presser the next mm, night. Been great that, was a, that was a Pat Beverly move. You got to get a prop involved or it doesn't count. I mean, that was such a perfect meme that it's too perfect. It's like, you know, it, it's it's so perfect you can't even use it. Um, but I think that whoever, so if they're winning to kind of tie that point back up, like Jalen McDaniels, I had him on the radar as you know like a thirty deep deep league you know kind of guy that he'd shown well in in Charlotte and has a good enough stat set to where it's like, hey, this guy he's good, good stat set, landing in a new place. Maybe they could have used him more in Philly. Um, this guy could get cut loose, but if they're winning, I wonder if they play those guys because they didn't really play them this year. I mean, Jalen McDaniel has been getting six minutes and it's been kind of a question of like, why, you know, he's much better than a six minute player. Um, so I, they, they might just start clicking and, and, and a Bruce Brown to kind of really tie it in. This guy is perfect for any situation. You drop him into any situation and he'll just be a connector and he'll get his stats. They'll be sporadically, you know, thrown around the, the box score from night to night. Um, they might be complete, minus the fact that they are waiting on Pirtle, you know, to be the size underneath. So they might might sit that out and just sit with this squad and see what they can get going forward. 
Um, I think Indy for sure, though. Like, I mean, Jerace Walker, I haven't had seen too much of him, but he's never not made me think, hey, this guy could be something. You know, and so you're sitting on that behind Pascal Siakam, who you just grabbed three first round draft picks and tossed him, you know, the other direction for it. That guy's not needed anymore. So are, are they going to do what they did with Isaiah Jackson, which is kind of like ruin his value and sit on him? Or are they going to get rid of two of those guys? I mean, minimum, actually, I don't know that the one or that Walker would be an, uh, an item for Sacramento. But there are a lot of teams that need shot blocking right now. So those two guys, if you're indie, if you're not going to do something with them, like actually play them, trade those guys. And, and both of them are fantasy machines. So hopefully they land somewhere nice. Like so, Toronto. Brew, so Brew, it's, uh, one of the 24 first round picks is Indies. Okay. One of the 26 uh, first round pick is Indies. Mm-hmm. And then the other 24. So the 20, there's a 24 and 26 that are the Pacers. And their Pacers are pretty good. So the, those are not going to be great picks. And right. then the other one is a 2024, the worst of Utah, Houston, Clippers, and Ooh. Thunder. Utah, Houston, Clippers, and Thunder. Well, Thunder and Clippers are probably not great. No. Houston could be good. Houston's one or two injuries away from things really turning south. Utah's got it rolling right now, right? Yeah. I, I got Hardy on coach of the year in the uh, beginning of the, the season. It was not that great of a number. Um, Hardy season. Hardy yeah. season. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm thinking at some point you could have gotten that for 30,000 mm. to one or something, you know, yeah. and now he's rolling, but they don't have players. So Utah, I mean, relatively speaking, they don't have players, but that pick could be valuable. But if let's say they're all mid to late round, first round picks, this kind of reflects to me, that might even speak to rental, though. I think if he's going to stick around, you would have heard about it from Shams or um, Woj, that this is not a rental. Uh, Siakam? Yeah. Yeah, we already heard it. He's excited. Not- he's excited yeah. to go to Indies. He's excited to work out a new contract. He wants, to play, with Ty- he wants to play with Tyrese. So, <laughs> that's, the, and that's the card, man. The, uh, you know, I've gotten a few texts from Kingsland um, since this has gone on. They're, they're in that. We didn't want him anyway, uh, posture right now. Um, mm. But three firsts that are that kind of late, mid to late firsts, that's the value he had because you have to pay Siakam. It's like one thing to get him. That's a, that's a big thing. I don't, you know, don't get me wrong. But now they got to pay him market value. So the return is three mid to late mm. round first round draft picks, which everybody overvalues. Yeah. You might hit and get a Jalen Williams or, you know, somebody in that range that's, you know, super valuable, but most of those picks are like Yorgos Papianis or something like that. You know, Mm. they don't stick around in the league. Well, I had all these delightful legends of fantasy type questions to go through, but we are approaching an hour and I want to make sure that you guys actually get to enjoy your day. Um, so, uh, I am going to take us towards wrap-up, so I'm very sorry to everybody that's watching live. Uh, first of all, to everybody that is watching live, thank you for joining us. I know many of you popped on when this crazy trade broke down, which is awesome. I really liked, I forget who, I put it on the screen for a minute, I think it's our uh, Toronto Raptors show host, known as El Hoopo. 
uh, around here uh, who mentioned that he was just thrilled that he got his breaking news from Dr. Ray because it was fitting to have you on here breaking a giant trade live on a podcast. So, uh, yeah, he's he's very right about that. Um, let's do this again is what I'm also going to say. Before I do that, uh, please do check out Manscaped.com. Many of you have seen that my face is slightly less hairy today. It is thanks to the good folks at Manscaped.com. Use promo code ETHOS20 over there to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Steve, one more time. I called you by your actual name. It felt weird, but I did it anyway. Uh, Congratulations on being a member of the FSWA Hall of Fame. Again, well-deserved. I'm so glad that I got a chance to wish it to you here on the podcast because coming from me, Still, like, a little bit starstruck, even though we've done a bunch of things together. You're the guy that got so many of us into this universe. Um, So, again, massive congratulations, and thank you for hanging out for way longer than I intended on keeping you here. Um, You're the man. What can I say? We can do another hour. I'm good. I'm just... uh, um, But, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. And and Brewski, Aaron, it's... uh, We go way back got a little rocky there it got a little weird uh with you transitioning into your new gig and i was still at nbc <laughs> i totally get it man i'm on the other side of it now and uh so i'm just glad that that we're still buddies and still able to to you know i think mean, we have a lot of knowledge and a lot of history and it's cool that we can uh get together and share it yeah in person soon sir maybe First time, <laughs> yeah, hey. first, first time for everything yeah i'll hop on a plane let's do it have you guys never actually been in the same place at the same time same same as us dano oh my god this this trio's never seen each other in person that's ridiculous um so unfortunately before i bid farewell to everyone i do have one piece of bad news to bring uh and this is legitimately bad news but i i know many folks that are either watching or following on twitter or whatever knew that the warriors jazz game tonight was postponed due to a uh, warriors assistant coach and i apologize because i'm probably going to get his name wrong i believe it's dejan milojevic uh he has passed away uh, mm-hmm. that is now being reported that the Warriors assistant coach has passed away. Um, so Damn. we send all of our best wishes to everyone around the Warriors organization, around uh, the Milojevic family. He was, I believe, just 46 or 47 years old. A huge tragedy occurring in the NBA this morning. Um, and I hate to have to end a show on a sad note, but uh, wanted to make sure that we got that information out there as well. So uh, bad news out of the Warriors and uh, in Salt Lake City. Um, but thank you again, gentlemen. Uh, it's been an amazing hour, a trade going down. It's like doing a trade deadline show here today. For Dr. A and Aaron Bruski, I am Dan Vespers. Thanks for watching Legends of Fantasy Basketball, a show type that I hope I can recycle here in the not-too-distant future. Uh, follow everybody on social media. Folks that are watching, you can see their handles on the screen. Dr. A is D-O-C-K-T-O-R-A on Twitter, at Aaron Bruski, at Dan Vespers. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. We'll see you guys somewhere. See you when we see you. So long, everybody.